Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Run for the Song Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today's guest is the amazing Rich Battlesby from the Wild Hearts. How is it going, Rich? Yeah, it's going very well. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, Dane. Oh, thank, yes. thanks, thanks for coming on. Yeah, very cool to be here. <laughs> no, great. Yeah. And um, for people who are listening, because obviously this isn't live, this is smack bang in the middle of the Wild Hearts UK tour at the moment. So Rich has kindly dedicated a few hours of his time on a, on a, a precious day off to yeah. speak to speak to me about drums and stuff. So thank you. Yeah, no, that's fine. No, you're welcome. And um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to go to the first date of the tour in Cardiff. And right. it was a yeah, wonderful show, um, great venue um, in the tram, shell, shed, tram shed. Um, yeah, but it was amazing. So yeah, I, if I'm sure the rest of the tour was as good if the, if it was as good as that, you know, I'm sure the the, the punters are, are having a treat every night. Yeah, it, um, yeah, I should have invited you down, really, shouldn't I? I completely forgot that um, that would be your local show, and I hadn't even. We've been we've been doing it. Um, we've been doing it in a kind of a bus bubble because of the COVID situation, obviously. So we've been. Uh, of course, yeah. Ridiculously careful and trying to be as sensible sensible about it all as we can. So yeah, I mean we've not. Not been having any guests backstage. We've not been meeting friends or family. We've not been doing any um, meet and greets or or anything like that. You know, just trying to keep, you know, apart from going out for food. You know, that's the only kind of bit of leaving the bus bubble that we've we've been doing. And so far, touch touch wood, we're, we're all we've been testing every couple of days, but it did get off to a to a shaky start because. Uh, we were all wondering how far into the tour we, we were going to get before anyone tested positive. And two days, we were meant to be rehearsing on the Wednesday and Thursday, and then the first gig was the Friday. And uh, my daughter tested positive on the oh, Wednesday. No. I was no. like, oh, shit, no way. Do another test. Quickly, do another test. And that was positive. I was like, fuck. So I found the tour manager and he was like, right, go get yourself a PCR test. Check yourself into a hotel. So that was the weirdest thing in the world. So I quickly oh. packed all my packed all my bags as though I was going on tour, and then drove two minutes down the road and got out of the car into a hotel. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit bizarre. Um, but oh, I went wow. and did my I went and did a PCR test, and the res- we needed the result to be back by the Thursday that Thursday evening at the latest, so that we could make sure that we were going to be able to do the tour. You know, start the tour. So I hadn't heard anything by Thursday dinner time-ish. So I then had to go to Leeds and get a private test that was guaranteed um, results by that eight, by midnight that night. So I went and did that. Um, but uh, luckily, I, I've, I was fine. You know, uh, the, the whole family have been negative. But so she is the only one that was positive. And she'd been to Leeds Festival at the weekend. And, uh, yeah. and so she'd picked it up there. But all of her friends that she'd been camping with and, and everything, nobody got it. So she was the only one that 
which was really weird. So, but anyway, we were, yeah, chuffed by, I uh, got the result at nine o'clock on the Thursday evening. And we were like, right, everybody on the bus. Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we're oh, off. Wow. Um, yeah, so, and then since then, there's not been any hiccups at all. So, uh, yeah. It's, That's it's encouraging. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's obviously, it's, um, it's just a really weird time to be in a room full of, sweaty people you know heavy yeah. breathing and shouting and stuff but you know fair play to them you know the fans are still they're coming down and um i mean the shows have just been amazing we've just done a run of shows i mean the the the, the first couple were a kind of a little bit because we didn't get to rehearse so i mean we'd, we'd kind of put um you couldn't priests. tell that right okay well that's good it, it we was put, like we wanted to mix the setup a bit because it's been for ages now we've been playing like the, the earth versus greatest hits tracks you know that everybody wants to hear and, and you know people want to hear new stuff and we want to play you know new you know new stuff or old stuff that we haven't played for ages so we, we chose like caprice and inglorious which are pretty demanding songs to play you know their arrangements are quite you know full-on and uh parts wise there's a lot going on and we didn't get to rehearse them so we were like in sound check like Shit, right? We better run through these and sound check and hope they're good. Otherwise, we're going to be doing that greatest hits uh, versus set again. Oh, and, no. uh, and it was all right. Sound check, it was all right. We were like, shall we? Yeah, let's just do it. Fuck it, it'll be all right. And uh, and, we, and it was great. Yeah. If anything, I think I'm starting to play them worse as I go on. So <laughs> <laughs> you saw the best one. I saw the best one. No, but yeah. honestly, honestly, I, I, one thing I did, I was saying, to, I went with my brother Tyler, who plays in the band with me. Right. And, to go back, it was a bit weird being in an indoor venue. It was my first indoor show. Like I played a few festivals with my band, mainly outdoors. And I, I went to Bloodstock Festival. And I I caught COVID at Bloodstock Festival, oh. which which doesn't surprise me really. Right. And it was I was one of the many. Yeah. Um, so even though I went to your show, knowing I'd already had it, I I I I try to keep my mask on as much as possible because I was just like. Mm. And I was trying my best to kind of stay away from people, but there was obviously people we knew there. So they all come and say hi and they're spitting in your face and not, you know, not on purpose, but like talking to you. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, keeping my mask on. And yeah. um, yeah, we were invited down by the support band that night, Adam and the Hellcats. So shout out to those guys. I think it was, they yeah. were just supporting you on the one date. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, it was a charity gig that one actually, wasn't it? it yeah. Was like a, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was, it was, mm. it was, it was a good night, but um. Yeah, but what, one thing I did notice is that how tight you were as a band and you you personally as the drummer. So I was like, right. wow, this guy is... Because I, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen you play for years and years. I think since right. you po- supported Motorhead, maybe like, I don't know when that was. I wasn't, I wasn't you playing there. with them then. Ah, no, that, right. was, that was Stiddy doing that then. I was off in America doing Grand Theft Audio. Yeah. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 just before this, I quickly checked the timeline of members because it is quite a confusing one. Um, <laughs> and I noticed there was a, a period where you kind of, you weren't in the band and then you were back in the band. And it's just, likewise with some of the other members as well. It's quite a lot of people in and out, which is quite unique, yeah. I suppose. For, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, but then, you know, you show, as a band, you were so, well, everyone was spot on tight. You couldn't tell you hadn't rehearsed. Honestly, that was amazing. So, well, this is it's back to it's back to the classic what people call the classic line, right, yeah. which is kind of the the band that toured. I mean, I I kind of joined them 
in 93, just after the first album had been recorded. So yeah. basically, Stiddy had done all the hard work and I got the glory, you know. I, just, <laughs> I went out and started playing the shows when it was just kicking off, you know. So, yeah. Um, so how did, you, how did you actually get to join? Did you know the guys? How, how did that work? Um, I, knew, I knew some of the crew guys and I knew the manager. Um, I, was, I was in a band at the time called... Radio Moscow, that was a band that was formed by Brian Tatler from Diamond Head. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's from Stourbridge, and um, I was from, I don't know, it's about 35 miles away from Stourbridge or something, and there was a guy um, who lived in Cannock, where I used to live, who I'd had a, who played the drums, so I had, had a couple of drum lessons from, um, and he was the drummer in Radio Moscow. He was moving to America, so I knew the job was, you know, uh, some they were looking for a drummer and um i mean i was i think i just i was either 16 or just turned 17 at the time i mean i was so young and uh yeah yeah so i, I went for that gig just so out of my depth you know completely out of my depth and just like out of my comfort zone and i mean i was just used to playing in little local bands with my brother and his mates you know what i mean and this was like a, oh it's all right don't worry about it sorry and uh yeah so uh yeah i i went to that um audition just like completely like just like a little kid thing and i yeah. uh, was c completely aware of diamond head and everything that you know they'd done and all my mates were kind of into diamond head and i'd been to see them and stuff and it was just like oh my god i'm in the presence of a proper rock star <laughs> and stuff yeah yeah so uh yeah so um i uh yeah i was in that band for probably about five or six years and a lot of the crew were all from around the midlands and those crew members had kind of come and gone and started working for other bands and stuff and there's a few that i'd been good friends with and stayed in touch with who started working with the wild hearts and stuff and it was kind of i was getting to the to the end of the radio moscow thing and i was just kind of like oh i really need to be doing something a bit more pro you know I, i'm just kind of like and i just made a few call a few really lucky calls and i called uh big shirt and just said bag you don't know any bands looking for a drummer do you and it was like mate i do as it happens and it'd be perfect for you. And at wow. the time, I hadn't heard. At the time, I hadn't heard any any. Well, I knew I knew of them, but I hadn't heard any stuff. So there was a, a mate of mine who was a DJ, and he lent me Mondo Akimbo and Don't Be Happy, Just Worry. And I just learned every song on there, beat for beat. And I was just like, oh, you know, the, I remember just putting it on, and the first song I heard was Turning American. And I was just like, you know, and I was just hoping hoping it wasn't all double kick drum fast double kick drum metal stuff you know yeah and uh, and it came on and i was just like i can do that i could do that bit i could do that bit it's got a fucking great chorus fucking hell listen to them riffs oh my god i fucking love this oh my yeah. god i could do this and i was just like i've got to get this fucking job you know um so there was like mates of mine that worked on the crew the music was just like insanely perfect for me to play to with my style of playing so i just learned i just learned everything i just you know the only way i wasn't going to get that gig was either if my car broke down and i you know didn't get the, you know what i mean yeah. i was just like i have to get this so yeah and um my first audition was just was, was with cj and danny 
and uh, it just went brilliant you know they were really nice guys easy to get on with and everything and uh, yeah and then we had another audition a couple of weeks later I think with Ginger and just blasted for a few songs and it was I think they made somebody made a bit of a mistake or they'd, they'd been playing the wrong arrangement and I'm like that's not the right arrangement and I was kind of like putting them right and I really <laughs> like that you know because I'd kind of like <laughs> sorted them out how to, how to play their own songs but, that's hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah so and that, that was just great you know and it, it was just kind of it made it so easy the fact that some of the crew guys were uh you know friends and it just made it really easy to fit in and uh, yeah i imagine yeah, it does yeah yeah and then um yeah so and then yeah then i mean like i said earlier it's just like I, I joined at just the right time we the, the um the album i think was i think the album was gonna was released a couple of weeks after i joined and um so i basically um yeah got, got all the glory of doing that which we did like uh tour with the almighty uk tour with the almighty which is amazing you know because i mean i've gone from doing like pub gigs to suddenly shows where i went to see all my favorite bands you know when when i was a kid we were doing like the wolverhampton civic hall and wow. you know, just big capacity shows you know so yeah so we just started doing the uh the album had just been released and it was like 5Ks in Kerrang and, you know, it was just getting uh, brilliant feedback everywhere. So we did, we started with um, a tour in the UK supporting the Almighty. That's right. And I was just saying about doing the big gigs that I was used to going to when, when, I, um, when I was a kid. So yeah, playing all the places that that I'd been to see the bands and it was just kind of like an absolute dream come true, you know, gone from doing it, you know, touring in the back of the van to touring on a big proper tour bus and stuff, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just like, wow, I was quite literally living the dream, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that's it what... was, uh... go on, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, that's what, you know, that's what most people try and achieve that, you know, they want to be touring on, on a tour bus and, playing yeah. big venues so yeah absolutely yeah so just you know it was a really lucky a lucky break for me and it was one of those you know it's kind of part luck but part being able to fill the shoes if you get that lucky break you know i'd been you know just living i lived and breathed drums back in the day you know it was just all i ever thought about and was just always from from when i got my first drum kit it was just always that's that's what i'm gonna do you know i just i just have to do it it would absolute blind ambition you know just like i don't even know how i'm gonna get there but i'm gonna you know you know there's no rule book or anything was there's nothing to tell you how to do it but you're just like that's fantastic so how how i always talk about my guess kind of original like drum journey so how old were you when you first played a drum kit five i had a drum like a toy catalogue drum kit when I was five and it was like it had like a kick pedal and stuff you know so I had a bass drum and a kick pedal and a, I think it had a little rack tom on the top and just a little crappy cymbal and hmm. and I just me and my brother used to do put like con- I remember that Christmas me and my brother put a like a concert on for the family you know we had a Christmas party and the family would come around and we had like all torches set up in the bedroom for lights and we'd like play along to the glitter band and stuff you know like <laughs> just uh, he was on the bed jumping up and down with the kettle lead in his hand and stuff you know and, uh, <laughs> and then I was on the drum kit 
with Battersby's Battersby Bros written across the front of nice. the, you know, the kick drum, yeah. Um, so that I think that drum kit lasted for about two weeks or something, and then the, the kick pedal broke, and you know, and that was it. And that and then I didn't actually get my first proper kit until I was 12. I got it for my 12th birthday, but I was mm. kind of in the presence of drums because basically um I had an uncle who was really musical and he used to I remember we used to go to my nan's um in the summer holidays while my mom and dad were working and uh, we used to stop at my nan's and it was kind of like oh you know just like weeks and weeks and weeks of nothing to do oh what are we gonna do today it was like a choice of either play on the footpath or play in the road you know and those were the two options <laughs> uh, and then um and this one day turned up there and there was a drum kit set up in the front room and it was like oh and i suppose i would have been about seven maybe seven or eight and it was just a four-piece premier kit but it just just looked so big, it was huge, you know, and it was like sat on top of the, you know, stool and your feet hardly touched the pedals, you know, <laughs> it was just like, and um, and he got it there and he would practice there when the neighbours were out, but whenever we were there, the neighbours were always in. I think he, he worked shifts, so we weren't allowed to play the kit, but every now and then we'd have a little go and then they'd be banging on the wall, you know, like, mm. oh, trying to sleep. But yeah, he had like tea towels over all the, the toms and stuff, you know, and uh, but I just remember just being, and then he also had um, a big suitcase full of percussion instruments as well, you know, just ah, cool. And, it, I, and so I think like just those being, you know, those early days of being around, you know, like an actual real kit and just being amazed at how big the drums are and like the snares underneath. What are those wires underneath that drum, you know, that make it rattle? What's that all about? And the, symbols that are together like that what the fuck's that all about <laughs> you know and um so you know I, I guess as i got older and just get was getting into music and stuff i just well it was like oh so eventually he was going to buy a new kit sold that kit to me for my 12th birthday and i had it for about a week not knowing how to set it up or anything and i think i've got like that hi-hats over here and like a kick drum over here on my left foot you know what uh, I mean? and yeah. snare behind me and then he he came down and went no no you don't have it like that this is how you have it and i was like and he's like all right sit like that put that across there and then just showed with a straight four four beat you know and um and that was it i was off he just said that beat you can play that to any of your songs any of your records you've got there play that beat to it just practice play along and yeah and that was it and i was off you're off that's amazing yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and then just got into going to C-bands and, you know, um, just all the all the early punk stuff I was into. I remember going to see, the first band I ever saw was like The Damned. Ah, oh, cool, at, yeah, yeah. At, yeah, at Birmingham Odeon in 19, I was like 12. Um, so, which is pretty damn, I mean, think about that these days and just think, God, I mean, I've got a 13-year-old boy and I can't imagine him going to like punk, shows you know yeah. you know you know i mean i went with my brother who's two years older than me so he would have been 14 but it's still pretty young it is yeah 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 big scare i mean in those days you know that was like it was a birmingham Audion would be like a big capacity show that's probably about i don't know six or eight hundred people and it was full of big punks with big moles and you know just
parents let us go and and it was just like the most inspiring thing i'd ever seen you know it was just like the sound it was so wow <gasps> what oh no my internet is playing up well someone's internet is playing up oh this is just... you've frozen sorry um this doesn't normally happen. Can you hear me? I can, oh, uh, uh, yes. Oh, Sorry, you it was a, you were getting really excited then. It kept, <laughs> it, kept, it, kept, it kept freezing on you. Um, right, okay. Oh, that's so annoying. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, it doesn't, it hasn't done this for a long time. So I don't uh, know. It could be either of our ends, probably my end. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah. I, I wouldn't, because that sounded really good. <laughs> I did, I, it just cut kind of, So, yeah, the, um, it kind of started going funny when you were talking about big, scary punk guys. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, th that those were just the kind of shows that I first started going to. But I really remember um, just really analysing the drums, you know, just obviously all I ever watched was the drummer. And, you know, just, I mean, it's such an amazing experience, isn't it? Just when you're young to go to a gig and all the lights and the volume and everything. It's just like, God, I mean, it's just so sensory, isn't it? And, yeah. Uh, and yeah but obviously my interest was just it was the drums the drums and it's not like these days when you know you've got youtube and you can just see how everybody in the world plays and sets the kit up and what everything does and tutorials on anything you want to know but in those days it was like unless they were on top of the pops or there was a couple of photos in sounds magazine you know, or there was a photo on the back of the album or something, you didn't really get a chance to, it was the gig, it was like you had that hour and a half to get as much information in as possible, you know, so yeah. I'd just be like watching, right, how's he got the kit set up? How high is his snare? It's like, how sloppy are his hi-hats? <laughs> you know, just like, you know, how, how high is he hitting it? And why is symbol? why has he got that symbol there? Why is that on there? You know, and just like, and then course like go to that gig and then right i've got to set my kit up like that and then go to another gig and someone going completely different Why is it like that? right i'm gonna try it like that <laughs> and you just you know just just ex you know just you know just trying different things and you know that was how and just that's how i learned anyway from watching what avidly watching bands yeah. live and uh, and then listening to the stuff on the record and just trying to trying to copy what they were doing Cool, yeah. I think it's similar for me because I didn't really have lessons back when I was a kid either. Uh, I think my dad, my dad taught me like a basic basics, and then yeah. we went from there. And I kind of just learned from listening and watching, and you just gradually, yeah. gradually get better, don't you, and improve. And yeah, then... of course, of course. And I think, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with having lessons at all. But no. I think you, I think you definitely, um, you get character from your your own kind of like you know listening to what you like and then copying it and putting your own take on it and you know that's how you you find your own style isn't it what, what you feel comfortable in playing you know whereas I mean I, I did have a couple the, the guy from Radio Moscow I had a couple of lessons with him but I'm pretty sure I'm not sure if I'd approached him or maybe he'd kind of talked to me about rudiments and stuff and it's good to have some things to practice you know and yeah. and I remember having a couple of lessons and learning about paradiddles I mean even that in those days no internet you know it's ridiculous of course. You, had to, you had to go and either buy a book or you know have a lesson with someone to find out about 
you know, rudiments and stuff. So I learned actually some really good stuff that I still use now when I'm warming up, you know, on the practice pad and just, just stuff that's, you know, like five stroke rolls and little double paradiddles and stuff like that. I don't use any of it in, in the gig. In, yeah. in the gig. No, I've never, never really managed to, to make that work somehow. I don't know. I think that's probably because I'm just a bit too, like, um, nut and bolt, you know, meat and veg. Yeah, it, it, work, it works perfectly with the music and yeah. like, like I said it's, it's so powerful and, and tight with with the guitar riffs and you know there's certain styles of music that yeah I think you would if you stuck a five stroke roll in there or you know something it just kind of stick out and be like that doesn't suit the yeah. music or whatever I don't yeah. know each, but there's no rules and that's what I like about drumming um, yeah. and I know what you mean I, I occasionally manage to squeeze a paradiddle in that's yeah. about it, really. In a rock band, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. or, or a hurter or something. And yeah, then, I might try that. I might try and get one in on the next album. You, you, yeah. you can try it. You can try, try it. it yeah. But you talking about your warm-ups then, so when you say practice pad, is that before a show? You kind of warm up yeah. on a pad? Yeah. Um, I've got, yeah, literally just a pad, and I've recently started, I've got a pretty strict regime of, of warming up there because i've been suffering a bit with my wrists recently ah, so, right yeah which is a pretty common yes. drummer thing you know rsi basically i got yeah. kind of really really worried about it and went to see a physio and i went to the nhs first of all and they were kind of like oh carpal tunnel and i was like shit i've heard about that and that doesn't sound good but then i went to a, a private physio and and he was more like no that you've got tendonitis and it's kind of the type of tendonitis it is it's really easy to treat and really easy to kind of get on with um so yeah i mean i was i was literally getting to the point the last few shows we did before um, the pandemic i was kind of uh i had a couple of shows where i'd woke up in the morning and i like literally couldn't couldn't Close my fist, couldn't hold oh, the stick, and God. luckily the one show was at Manchester, and there was a, a staff member there at, at the venue who was a physio, and she did like a full massage on my arm, and, and just it was brilliant. Within like about half an hour, I was like, oh right, okay, we'll play again. Wow. But, yeah, but that kind of like made me think, right, it's time to really. I mean, I've been I've been doing warm ups for probably about. 15, 10 years maybe, 15 years before going on. Not religiously, but enough to, just because I, you can tell that it's a bit easier to play those first two songs if you've had a bit of a warm up. If you oh. go on completely cold, it's it's horrible, isn't it? You know, if you, because mm. you've got the excitement of the crowd and you know, it's a big gig and everything. And there's just no way you can like, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold back and build myself up so that I'm nicely warmed up by the third song. It's just like fucking brilliant, woman, fucking go. <laughs> you know, it's like halfway through the first, I'm, ah, I fucking broke my wrist again. So yeah, so I've started using these um, really wacky gel wristbands that you put in the microwave for 30 wow. seconds and it warms up all the these gel balls that are in the things and um, and then i put them on about 25 30 minutes before the show and it warms up all the area that is going to get like um aggravated um and swollen and so once i've got those bands on then i'll just do my normal warm-ups and stretches and loads of loads of that kind of stretching you know um 
that's kind of the new stuff that they've they've said you need to do and it's just yeah. really helped and then i've had uh ice packs for as soon as i come off i'll just put an ice pack on this this, this wrist that's been the worst so i just get an ice pack on there straight away and all of these shows have been absolutely fine uh, Amazing. Yeah, so it's worked. Unfortunately, my knees have been fucked throughout because oh. I got myself the top bunk on the bus and I've twisted both my knees getting in and out the bunk. Oh. <laughs> so I've been like, the first time it was my left knee and I was like, well, that doesn't matter so much. I can, you know, take a couple of paracetamol before we go on. That'll be all right. But the second time it was my right knee oh. and I was just like, I couldn't even straighten my leg. It was just like, shit, man, it's really bad. And I just, uh, so I rested it all day and took painkillers, managed to do that show, changed bunks with our sound guy. So I've now got the middle bunk. I was going to say, <laughs> can't, can't someone swap with you? It's quite important. <laughs> yeah. As if you can't hit that bass drum, the show's over. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm all right now. So, yeah. Uh, so I've got a list of things that I need to do before each gig, starting with make sure you've got the middle bunk. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> even yeah, the. the, so, the that's awesome. I never heard of those yeah. gel things. I'm, I'm going right. to look into that do myself. Know, do you know what? They're right here in the bag behind me. I've got them on Amazon. Oh, right. So they wrap, so, uh, so strap, wrap so, it around. I see, wrap yeah. Around, it's got a Velcro, ah. Velcro thing. But so all of these shows, all of these shows, there's like, there's not a microwave in the venue. So I have to go and use the microwave in the tour bus and then Walk back, walk back from the tour bus with like two of these on, past all the all the punters, punters. queuing up. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're just like, what a twat in uh, these rock bands. It's so important, though. I think that's that's a good lesson for anyone listening because I always try and ask about different warm up techniques because I think it's important myself, and it's something I've neglected earlier on in my career. Yeah. Career, when I say career, it's not really a career, but um. Yeah, um, and I hurt myself. I've, I kind of had a shoulder problem. I did have a wrist kind of issue. That was a temp. Well, I'm hoping it was a temporary thing. Right. That was kind of, I think it was tendonitis based. It was the, it happened to be the first show that I did two shows in one day, which is right. bad luck. In the first show, Alcatraz Festival, I think, in Belgium, just something just popped in my snare drum, my left wrist. Just right. kind of just... And I just didn't, it was just weak and I just couldn't hit the snare properly. And I kind of had to finish the show. Yeah. And then chances are we, we were driving to Holland the same afternoon to play a different festival. It was the worst timing ever. And I just had to kind of ice it up and kind of get through it. And they bandaged it up to kind of help support. But luckily it's never happened since, but I think it's because it's made me more aware of stre actually stretching out the kind of yeah. wrist tendons and things. But I've never, I've never tried that. I think I, think I should right. try that, especially when I've got a tour coming up. Because yeah. every night, every night is getting battered every night. So I think I'll invest yeah. in those just to, yeah, just to prevent it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, even if it's even if you're not getting any symptoms now, I mean, if it if it means if it if it's putting off getting something in the future, I mean, yeah, exactly. If you're anything like me, you you're gonna want to be playing in your eighties, aren't you? You know what I mean? It's just like, I can't ever imagine not sitting behind a kit and having a knock, you know. So yeah, it's just. Um, it was a real eye opener, and you know, just like right, I've got to get this sorted. There's absolutely no way I can just stop playing because my wrists are stopping me from playing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, touch wood, it's it's uh, it's working. And uh, I mean, I, I am, I do tend to, I don't lay into them 
like I used to either, you know, kind of at that point there where I just can't physically do it no. the same as I used to. I mean, when you're young and you're physically, you know, just you're able to just fucking belt the crap out of the mind, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I actually used my kit is, it's quite close to me now, but I mean, even though I think it's quite close to me, other drummers think it's quite far away, but I've brought everything in. I mean, I used to have it like so far away. And then if we hadn't toured for a while and then I'd sit behind the kit for the first time, you know, after like six months or something, and I'd just be like, fuck me, I'm meant to hit these, you know? So everything would then get pulled back in. And then as I was start getting, you know, a couple of shows in, everything would start getting further away again. Cause I really love to, can be able to smash it you know what I mean? yeah. further away it is you're going to get more velocity on it or whatever the word is you know so yeah but it's just at that point now i'm just like I, I, i'd rather just not go quite so, so full on and know that i'm kind of looking after my wrists a bit more and and yeah you know kind of paving the uh, way to be able to carry on in yeah the future for a exactly bit, you know? <laughs> the future yeah. of drumming yeah man so yeah. um well let's talk about your drum kit for at the moment and what are you playing at the moment so what have we got on the tour I've with got, you um uh, yeah i've got a natal originals birch ah, nice. um which i've had for about i think i've had it for about seven seven years now hmm. um and it's absolutely beautiful it's just a fantastic sounding kit the kit drum is just like it's just oh well you heard it the other night i mean yeah. did it sound good to you did i thought yeah like... i thought it was a great drum sound yeah amazing yeah yeah really yeah good. i mean I've had I've had quite a few kits over the years, not really through choice or or it, I don't know why. I mean, I kind of when I was in Radio Moscow, I bought a, I I was earning good money when I was still living at home, and and I bought a Yamaha nine thousand recording nice. custom kit, and it was just like wow, what a beautiful drum kit, you know. And then I used that with the Wild Hearts right up until probably. Um, maybe mid nineties, late nineties, and then I got a premier endorsement. And I don't even remember how that came about. <laughs> no, I really don't. But really nice guys at premier, and I got talking to them, and they were, you know, kind of saying like, "Well, you should be using the British kit," you know, and and, yeah. and I was like, "Well, fair enough, you know, good point." So I had a a couple of premier signia kits that I used for a while. I used, in fact, I had the white kit off them. I had a nice, uh, it was like a 24 inch kick drum. And I think it was a, what is it? 12, 14, 16 ratons and an 18 floor tom. So 16 big, rack, know. wow. Yeah, 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 ridiculous. That's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then I remember thinking like, mm, it's white though, and that was the best covering that they did. And it's like, oh, they don't do any flashy silver covering. So I asked them if I could get some, could I get the same kit, but just the shells and I'll like find some covering myself and cover it myself. And I found all like, I think it was at the time when Tommy Lee was probably using his like real sparkly mirror looking kit. And uh, yeah. And, and I just thought, oh, I want something a bit more flashier than just a white kit. And uh, yeah, so I, I managed to find a place again this was pre-internet so you couldn't just like google right drum coverings you yeah. know so i had to find a place that and got all the swatches and yeah so just got this ridiculous like so it was all it was more like 
psychedelic silver wrapping paper, you know, for wrapping <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <all> right. okay. <laughs> but I was just like, you know, I just wanted something that would just look, you know, as ridiculous as possible. So, and then I covered the kit, they gave me all the hardware and I, I fitted all the hardware myself. And wow. so I just, you know, finished all the kit off. And yeah, and I, I mean, I've had that for ages. That ended up, that stayed in my loft for years and years and years. And I just got rid of that fairly recently. Oh. Um, so I used those kits and then when I started Grand Theft Audio, the, um, the guy that I did that with, Ralph, he was a producer and he'd worked with uh, EMF, um, you know, band EMF. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, yeah, he produced Unbelievable oh, nice. uh, for them. Yeah, yeah. So he was, um, he was mates of all those guys and the drummer was working for Tama UK. So he kind of said, like, oh, it's a new band, you know, you should be getting yourself a new drum kit. I'll have a word with uh, I can't remember his name, Mark. And um, so, yeah, so he saw, and because, luckily, because the Wild Hearts had done quite a lot in Japan, you know, we've got a good following out there. And all the Tama decisions had to go through the, the Tokyo office, I think. They were like, oh, Wild Hearts, ex Wild Hearts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I've got two Tama Star Classic kits for. For Grand Theft Audio, one in the UK and one in one in America. So I used that for a good while, and then and then and then after that, there was I was approached by a guy. I can't remember his name, but Animal Animal Drums. Do you know Animal Custom Drums? I don't even know if they're still going there. I don't know. There's a guy from right. Well, it was a local guy, and he approached us and asked us about if I wanted to try. And I tried the kit, and it was sounded beautiful and he, I think he made, he actually made the shells himself and then he bought the bits of hardware to add to it. And it was beautiful, that was beautiful. And then another guy approached me who made these kits that, um, they were like acoustic kits, but with triggers in them. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. Um, which I've always been into kind of like the electronic side of stuff and MIDI and, you know, recording MIDI drums and all that kind of thing. So... I had a kit off him for, him for a while and then he did a custom kit with smiley bones and stuff on it. And um, and then the Natal thing came up and I, I just think I was ready for, we were starting to like play more shows, get get busier. And I think it was kind of like, I like the idea of being with a big British company that had good tour support and stuff, you know, and this is like, yeah. If your cymbal stand breaks, you know, you've got another one at the next venue the next day and everything. And they were, you know, they were really cool. And all the, the, like, Ginger and CJ were using Marshall gear as well, because Natal's obviously part of Marshall, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so it just made sense for everything to be coming from the same place. And so I went down to the, the yeah, down to Marshall and tried the kit out. And it was just like, oh, this is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. absolutely gorgeous. So I've been playing it, been playing that kit ever since. Yeah. And uh, he's also, he also, um, recently sent me a kit for grand i've just started we've just started doing a bit of stuff with grand theft audio again so I've got oh, a separate, well we were going to make the first video and i didn't really want to use the use the kit that i used for the wild arts i was like oh it'd be really good to have a different look kind of thing for that yeah, project i understand and, that, yeah and i've got like a couple of kits here so i got in touch um with george at natal and just said you know do you mind if I use one of my other kits, but I put a Natal head on the kick drum, you know, will that be all right? I don't know if that's the protocol or what, you know. We've, and it was just like, oh, I'll send you another kit if you if you want to use it for, for that. And I was like, right. So I've got like the Cafe Racer. Oh, um, yeah, they look awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, looks brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've got that as well. So, I mean, absolutely, you know, great guys really looking after me really well, you know, and uh, absolutely beautiful kit. So it's Good. a no-brainer. Big big up uh, the Natal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I've played a few of them over the years. Yeah, they are yeah. well-made, solid and, and like... Yeah good yeah and the hardware is good which is important yeah definitely. absolutely yeah what are you what fit are you using i, I use they? sona right so again they really like you know I, I love them i've been using them for years um but they're not cheap and i'm not my band isn't big enough to get them free so i gotta pay oh, for right. them i pay yeah. for them like I, I'm a, I am technically like a sona artist but like i'm yeah i guess i'm probably the lowest tier so i some I have to pay quite a lot for him so but yeah i've got a birch kit myself at the moment it's lovely yeah really right, nice. yeah yeah 20, great 20, 24 inch kick drum i don't right. know was yours a 24 22 22 okay 22 12 13 and 16 yeah nice nice yeah great in fact i've been it was it was a four piece it was just the one racked on when i got when i picked the kit up and then when we were doing renaissance men rehearsing for renaissance men and learning the songs and getting that album together it was the kit that I was using in the studio I had two rack toms and I was like all the fills that I was starting to work out for it were all working nicely with two rack toms on the floor and I was like mm. oh I wonder if they've got um you know, like a 12 inch rack tom in this finish that I can add to the kit so that and then I'll just use that for recording and then that'll be my tour kit but they didn't have anything else in that so they actually made they they Wow. I sent them. I sent them my rack tom. They took photos of it, sent it to the factory, and then they made a custom tom in the same finish. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, for me, so that I'd got like matching, matching kit. But I just like you know, we're playing at the moment. We're playing with um, those damn crows. Yeah, yeah. And, Ron, uh, Ronnie, I know Ronnie r- quite right. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's got a lovely tarma kit, hasn't he? Yeah. But I'm kind of looking at it, and it's like he's got the 16 floor tom and then the 18 floor tom, and I've never done that. And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, fucking sexy that is, isn't it? That's really good. You know, for that's, it looks great. It looks great, but it sounds for, amazing. For just when you're doing those, you know, those single hit accents, you know, and I just think. Why haven't I ever done that? I mean, that's such a fucking great idea. So I'm thinking, I wonder if Natal. Mm. Now they know <laughs> what that finish is. I could just, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. the cheeky 18, yeah. I've got, I've got a 16, yeah. 18, and I've only right. recently changed from a 14 and 16 floor. And right, nev- okay. I, used to t- I used to tune them as low as possible. Yeah. Because I think in my head, I really wanted it to sound like a 16 and 18. So now yeah. I've finally got that, and it is amazing. It takes up a lot of space. Yeah. So as long as yeah. you've got this, you've got you know you've got the space and the storage and all that, you know. That's it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, yeah. it is worth it. I think you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably cool. That's it. On a nice. mission. Hi, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Drum for the Song. I just wanted to briefly interrupt the interview to tell you about my Patreon page, which is a place where you can support the podcast and, of course, support myself. You can um, sign up to one of the three tiers on there. There's one that's £3 a month, one that is £5 a month, and one that is £10 a month. There are loads and loads of exclusive benefits to signing up, including bonus episodes, merch discounts, Christmas card for myself. Um, If you sign up to the top tier, I'll send you a pair of my drumsticks. 
um, loads of other stuff. So go check it out. It's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. And um, another way you could support me if you're interested, if you're not bothered about the Patreon thing, if you go to my official website, drumforthesong.com, you can send a donation via PayPal. So, um, yeah, thanks for watching this and enjoy the rest of the show. Drum for the Song podcast. Yeah, and you're using Zildjian cymbals, right? Uh, Yeah, I've used Zildjian's pretty much from the very start. That's cool. I'm not even sure why, because all my favourite drummers used paste. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I ended up using Zildjian. Really bizarre. Um, Who are your favourite drummers? Oh, sorry. Oh, my favourite drummers. Um, well, in the early days, it was like, it was Ratscape, is it? That he was the first guy that I saw yeah. play live. So he was just like, you know, oh, my God, he's a god. Uh, just so much energy, punk, you know, raw energy. And then I guess as I started... Um, started moving out of punk and into a bit more kind of rock stuff. I mean, I was really into like Iron Maiden in the early days, Clive Burr, like those first three albums, you know, Clive Burr's, just his drum sound and the parts and everything, you know, I absolutely loved. I mean, wow. I, I knew Number of the Beast, that album. Well, all those first three albums, I mean, that those were really what I grew up playing, you know, like and absolutely knew them off by heart. Also... Vinny Apathy, um from Dio. Yeah, um, he's, been, he's been on the show. He was amazing. He was oh, great. Yeah, he's a great yeah, guest. I did see he'd been on. Yeah, 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 I did see he'd been on. I mean, absolutely, what a player. I yeah, mean, absolutely incredible. So his style. I mean, I was aware of his playing on like the Sabbath stuff, but when Holy Diver came out, that for me, that album was just like. I mean, the drumming, the fills were just yeah. like so inventive, you know. And he, he wouldn't put them just here, there and everywhere. It wasn't massively busy, but when he did one, it was just like, what the fuck is that? You know, yeah. it's just like really, because it's ridiculous kit. So it went from right the highest tom all the way down, you know, it's just like, what? So nice. just, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, so I was really into to him. And then uh, Tom, when Tommy Lee came along, was, I remember seeing like a Motley Crue video and just like, oh, Oh, my God. <laughs> my hero. He's, he just looks. I've always liked the way drummers look, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the way they play and everything, but there's nothing better than seeing a fucking, you know, drummer going for it and looking like they're smashing the fuck out of the kit when they're doing it. And Tommy Lee, even though it didn't look like it was a massive hit, he really swings quite wide, isn't it? And yeah. Well, he's tall, that... isn't he? He's got long limbs, I guess. Yeah. And... Yeah, that helps add to that kind of look. And then he was doing all that twirling it around the back of his head, bouncing the fucking stick. <laughs> it was just like so. I went to see. I remember seeing to- uh, Motley Crew at the same venue, uh, Birmingham Odeon, where I'd been to see the Damned, my first ever show, and that was on the Theatre of Painter with Cheap Trick supporting them. Oh wow! Um, and again, that was I, I was just just watching Tommy and that was it. I couldn't have told you how many other people were in the band, you know what I mean? It was just like drums. And he started doing this drum solo. And I was like, I'm sure, I'm sure he couldn't see that much of the drum riser before. What the fuck's going on? And the fucking, the drum riser starts like tilting up like this towards yeah. the crowd. And it's just like, holy shit. And it's like, I couldn't even see what drum heads he was using. It's just like, oh, it's like the coolest thing. And, and I, I was just like 
absolutely incredible to see that and, and you know seeing fucking strapped in and still doing all that shit it was just like and i mean he's he's kind of got that sound as well you know it, it, hmm. he's you know i don't know what it is about his his sound but i remember he was on like uh tfi friday the ones playing a little toy kit you know and it's just got that kind of feel hasn't it you know and it's just got that oh i just absolutely love his playing yeah so he was a massive massive influence and luckily i didn't go full on with the the hair (laughs) (laughs) close though close Have have you ever had long hair at all yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah from early on in the Wild Hearts. Yeah. Cool, and cool. I'll have to look back. That. I'll check. Oh back. yeah, mullets and mullets and leg warmers. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Rising Sun t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's, yeah. that's that's cool. Like I can that makes sense really. Listening to, well, I've been listening to the new album quite a lot, which is what we'll talk right. about in a minute. And yeah, it's well, it's so inventive. Some of some of this the songwriting on that and the ideas and the changes and the the first time I heard it I was like well what I was just like what's going on it was like it was cool because I'm so used to like you know rock music these days mostly yeah. is I'm not saying it's predictable but yeah. it's very rare you hear something that you haven't heard anything like that before mm. and and yeah you can get good songs you get good melodies you get good guitar parts and you know nice grooves and stuff but on, honest to god that's the first album I've heard in a long time where it really surprised me. Right, okay. From a, from a rock band. It was really, honest, yeah. really exciting. Right. Really exciting stuff. Lots of, right. um, you know, varied ideas and yeah. tempo changes and just crazy little bits thrown in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, so yeah, you know, you've been getting great review, re- reviews, well-deserved. Um Obviously, you charted at number nine in the UK, which is incredible. So, congratulations! Yeah, thank you very much. Num- number two in a rock chart, and when your when your release date is the same as another, you know, rather large band called Iron Maiden or something, yeah. you know, it, that's always it's always going to be difficult to you know achieve yeah. anything higher than yeah. number two. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, let's talk about that. So how you know the making of that? This when did you okay. write the songs? Well, how, did, how did it work? You know, what it, is, it was. It, it's a COVID album, so it is. Okay. it's it was weird from start to finish, really. Hmm. Um, that album was pretty much. I mean, Ginger is so inventive; his writing is just insane. And I think you said like it being so unpredictable. Yeah, you know, and it's just I I I don't get how you know he's written so many songs, so many songs. And even and all this solo stuff as well. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and I still write something that doesn't sound like anything else he's ever written before. Yeah, like, that's what's how incredible. How do you do that? How I know. How do you fucking do that? So we were um, we, we we knew right. Okay, we've got to do a new album. It needs to start here. Ginger was writing and demoing stuff, but it was in the middle of lockdown. We weren't going to be able to rehearse even. Um, yeah. So he just so he just basically put uh, all his demos down onto a, a, an MP, you know, in an MP3 file, emailed them to me, and then I just started learning the songs and the arrangements. Um, but it was just acoustic, you know, or he'd done. I think he'd done some of them with a, like an electric guitar sound, but it was just guitar and vocal on them. 
So, okay. I mean, some of them, it was kind of like, and the aim was I was going to program the drums to his, I'll just put what he's done in time um, and then and then program drums over the top of it, send them back to him, say, you know, right, what's working, what's not working? Is there anything I should be doing? You know, can you hear anything I'm missing? So, and we just did, did that a bit back and forth. But I think for me, because I've never really done that before. I mean, I've, I've back from the Grand Theft Audio days, that was when I learned to use the computer and all the music software and everything, but I've never really used it for a while now. So it was really cool to be able to go, well, we're not gonna be able to sit in the room together and jam these songs out. So I'm gonna to have to program the parts that I would usually play. And I think sitting, sitting down and having a good think about what the part needs, what the song needs and what it should have, rather than where if you're sitting in, if you're in a room together and you're all playing, you're kind of, you, you're gonna play what feels right at the time and kind of, before you know it, that's stuck because it's on the, you know, you've recorded the song at the end of the day, that's the rough, and all those parts kind of stick in your head and then they start working and it just ends up staying like this, you know, like that. And with this, I didn't get that and I kind of like, I could get a bit more inventive with it and I started thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe if that first pattern isn't the same as the, the second one isn't the same as the first, I'll change that one around a bit and that bit going into there, I'll make, and I had time to, get a bit more inventive with it and, and then learn it from the program drums that I programmed. And it kind of was like a really interesting. And I think it's made for a much more interesting album drum wise than yeah. if we would have just done it in the room together. Um, it's, I've definitely put myself out of my comfort zone because for one, when you're using programmed drums, they sound fucking great straight off. You know, the, you know, you just like put any beat in and yeah. it just sounds like it's been played and, you know, compress it a bit, EQ it a bit. And it's just like a massive fucking bonham sound, you know, and it's just like brilliant. That sounds amazing. And then so I got the pretty much the whole album all programmed up, sent it to Ginger, back and forth it a few times and tweaked it. And then, uh, you know, I'm like, right, OK, I'll start learning it. And then I'm kind of like in the garage. With my, I mean, I've basically got a Yamaha. Uh, what is it? Not the birch, uh, beach, beach custom in there, but it's got oh, mesh lovely. head. It's got mesh heads on it, and then I've just got rubber symbols, so you know, try and keep it as quiet as possible. And I'm like, I've got the headphones on, I'm playing along, I'm like, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> oh shit, this is really hard. Uh, I was fucking sure I was going to be able to play this, and I'm like, oh no, and I've got like, and by this point we've like booked in all the studio time and everything, and I'm like. I've got fucking three weeks to fucking get all this down, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit, man. And if there's one thing I cannot do is go into the studio not being prepared. It's like, I think there's one thing you have to 100% be as a drummer. That's good advice, is, yeah. Is, uh, you know, 100% prepared. I've always, always been like that. And I have to be able to, like, start the song in my head, get to the end of it, knowing all the parts that I'm going to play and have it all there, you know, maybe a couple of little bits that you're going to tweak as you're playing, but it, the structure has yeah. to be there and the main fills, the main parts and everything. And obviously this was, 
you know, I hadn't really written stuff as as kind of um, as busy and as creative as this before. So I was just like, shit, what have I done? <laughs> and I just had to, I just had to really put a lot of a lot of hours in and a lot of work in. And obviously, the arrangements are just in themselves, you know, are you know some of them. And then there was stuff where we messed around with the the tempos as well. So it's not it's not just the arrangement being weird. It'll even if it's only like five or ten BPM, you know, that it'll change and move up. Yeah. Even if it's staying, even if it's staying playing the same beat almost, you know, it'll still go up by 10 BPM and then back down five. And there's a lot of that going on. And it's a, it's a so the feel as well is quite a lot to you know it's, to learn. It's hard it's, to it's hard to do that in the studio when because I've done that sometimes when we feel like well, the chorus just needs to, to have that little boost. So yeah. we, we whack the click up couple of beats and then yeah, you've got to come absolutely. back down and it's, it's quite difficult because naturally i guess if you're jamming in a room without a click i don't know do you play live to a click i i have done but you and don't. i have done with the wild hearts for when we did the hutzpah album tour because it had a lot of backing track oh. stuff going on um which was quite scary because the wild hearts can be quite unpredictable and yeah. you know uh, the, the thought of like being on stage playing to a click but it worked absolutely perfectly and everyone was kind of like, yeah, we know what we've got to do. And we'll, yeah. So, um, yeah. but I don't, I don't know at the moment. No. no. And I mean, we're even talking about the next album and I, I'd really like to do this is not, not do it to a click because ah, I, think, nice. I think, yeah, I think it's getting to the point where everything's starting to sound. I mean, even this album with the, you know, the crazy arrangements and, you know, the inventiveness of it. I think a, a click can do more damage than good sometimes. I know it makes it easier for the kind of engineering side of it and chopping stuff up and editing and dropping bits in and copying and pasting and everything. Yeah, but it makes that a lot it, easier, but... It does, but it also takes a, away a lot of the feel. And I was listening to an interview with Steve Albini fairly recently and he was saying like if you if you don't use a click live why on earth would you use it when you're recording you know it's like get use a click be accounting so you've got the song you know you've rehearsed it loads of times and you know what tempo it wants to be work out what that tempo is and yeah make sure you're starting it right but that's it once you're off and that should be how it is because it's going to move around then and these days you can map you can once the song's down and you've got the drums there or whatever, you know, you can map the grid to those drums anyway. So to make the editing easier kind of thing. So you can, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm definitely up for doing that next time. I mean, all of the the Wild Hearts didn't start using the clip line, like all of the PHUQ and Fishing for Luckies, all those songs that there is not a click on any. Oh, okay. So, yeah. That's and cool. endless. And weirdly, Endless Nameless wasn't recorded to a click either, which is the really industrial. Have you heard, do you know, any of the Endless yeah, Nameless stuff? Some of it, yeah, yeah. I, I, right, it's I, kind I, of... I know what you mean, yeah. So that's it. That's all, if it was kind of that kind of sound, because that's the kind of sound you would expect. You be. would expect, but, yeah. I mean, that was still... I mean, when was that recorded? It's probably still before clicks were used, you know, kind of all the time. All the time, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, cool. That'd yeah. be interesting. Yeah. I think it's a good, I think it's, it is coming back around where I'm on, I'm on a lot of like drum Facebook pages and stuff like that. And it's a topic that comes up quite a lot. And um, in one of my recent episodes with Brian Tishi, he, 
he obviously uses click for loads of things, but he says yeah. sometimes it can kind of destroy the vibe and stuff like that. And, and I posted a little section of that interview and it, it, it uh, certainly a lot of people had an opinion on it. And a lot of people were saying, you know, I, it, you know, I pref- like, especially recording wise, they prefer not using one because it dis- yeah. destroys the groove and, yeah. and, and the feel over overall feel. And um, yeah, yeah. I would, I would, personally be interested in exploring recording without one yeah because certainly live the music my band play which is kind of you know just kind of rock and roll not too dissimilar to what you guys do mm-hmm. i think yeah it needs to kind of move and breathe a little bit and but on record we've always recorded to a click you know down every every yeah. beat so and i think sometimes it kind of i think we need to start a campaign don't we yeah and i know a lot of metal bands and thrash bands are doing it again they've, they've gone back to recording without clips right. and stuff i, I listen yeah, yeah. listen to um a few podcasts a lot of the kind of i'm not like into my kind of i, I like a bit of thrash but i'm not into anything that's underground or anything i don't know enough about it but i always i'm always interested in hearing what drummers like talk about and stuff and apparently it's it's definitely a thing yeah. No, no, no click again so yeah i'd be interested if you do that and yeah. then i i and i completely know what you mean what you said earlier about once if you're playing in a room and you the first idea ends up being the, the final idea because yeah. it's just because if you record the, a demo of it or you know a rough recording of it that's just in your head and you can't really think of something else that's it's, it it's once picky. it's there you can't unthink mm. it can you and it's kind of like and if it works it's like well that's it that's staying and that's it it's not no matter how simple it is or yeah you know you're kind of like oh okay that'll do and uh yeah yeah so, so, i know what you mean no but yeah, congratulations yeah. again and um thanks and the, yeah. the song the songs you played live were great and they're not easy songs to play yeah uh, not yeah. at all and um yeah so congratulations and so you're you're on tour now, so I think by the time this episode's coming out, that tour will end, to be honest. But you've got, I've noticed you've booked a few other shows towards the end of the year. So anyone who's in the UK that kind of missed this tour, there are a few other dates. In, I think it's December, I think you've announced a few. So Yeah, I think we've got five five in December. I think there's a couple of those, like, um, I think we've got still a few at the end of the tour. We've got about a week off, and then there's a weekend of shows. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, so there's a few... It's yeah, quite a few correct. scattered, scattered about. Yeah, great. Yeah. So what, have you got any um favorite places you like playing? Favorite places or venues or, or towns or cities or countries venues. or? Um, <clears throat> oh, Japan! Yeah, Japan is always a treat. I mean, everyone that, says Japan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is this a, oh, okay? Boring answer. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's really. I've never been. You see, and I, I'd love. Right. I'd love to do it. And it sounds like a dream to me. And everyone tells me how great it is. And it's like another yeah. world. And um, I mean, we've toured. We've toured a lot of Europe, and I've done a lot of America, but not really much many other eastern countries or any other eastern countries i think mm. cj's done stuff in china but i've never been to china but i mean the, the first time when we went to japan in the 90s you know it was kind of it was just unbelievable i mean just being here and the the kind of like craziness of how all the fans were into it and you know and then you we kind of landed there and there was just like queues of fans at the airport waiting for us and then all like they'd they'd worked out what, you know, like, what, I mean, what shoes I used to wear to play and so, and what my favourite colour was. So they bought like, 
fit shoes and in the right color and the, what size feet were and everything. I mean, they're absolutely fanatical. And it was just unbelievable. And we were just like, oh, my, it was honestly what being in the Beatles must have been like. Yeah, it, just it sounds like, like, oh my God, it's insane. But the whole Japan is just such an amazing place, the culture and, and everything to, to be there. And it's just like landing on another planet and just, you know, experience all of that and just the way the people are and the food and the experience the just the gig experience itself is just like completely different for some reason but they have they, they always keep like the house lights not they don't keep the house lights on but it's very the crowd is always really bright in the gig so oh. all the way through the show you can see like every single face and they're just so happy you know to be seeing you playing so there's just like these massive beaming smiles while you're playing and they sing along to everything and it's just such an amazing experience you know wow uh, just not it will never ever get boring going to japan it's just yeah an incredible so incredible place. Do, you, do you go quite regular with the wild hearts then or we would usually go yeah um we would have gone this year to promote um yeah. 21st century love songs but obviously uh we're not going to because of covid but yeah i mean we've we've been every album okay and, and when we've done kind of um anniversary tours and, and stuff like that you know we've been so i think i've probably been about 10 times now or something so, <sighs> nice yeah nice. i know i know it's ridiculous and it really does kind of make you feel special and like yeah really uh yeah appreciate you know. well, if you ever want to take another UK band with you, give me a shout because I know. <laughs> yeah, okay. We've yeah, never, yeah, we've yeah. never been. Like I think my 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 dad said he played there a few times with Motorhead, right? But not a massive amount. I th I just think they never really hit it off out there so much. I think you know yeah. there was obviously there is a fan base, but not big enough for them yeah. to kind of go regularly, and certainly not big enough to for us to go as a headline act now. Yeah. That's, that's so right. weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's strange. That's, yeah, that is very weird. weird. But, I thought yeah. Motorhead were just like worldwide. Everywhere. You kind of think, I kind of think that, but yeah, I, I don't know. He's, you know, they, I'm sure they, they had a reasonable following out there, but I think yeah. it's not yeah. enough for us to kind of go. It's bit, it would be a massive risk, really, for us to yeah, kind of book headline right. shows out there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I think um, one thing I was going to ask then was, you obviously had quite a crew up to this point you've had quite a long career do you have any like big highlights that you like think of fondly or favorite moments or favorite shows or festivals or yeah um well festival yeah we did a we played the finsbury park uh sex pistols show oh wow when they did the filthy lucrator which would have been oh when was that about 96 or something maybe 97 so we were higher on the bill than Stiff Little Fingers. I mean, it was just like, what? 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 I don't get it. I mean, Stiff Little Fingers were like one of my favourite bands and went to see them a million times. And it was just nice. like, oh my God, that's insane. And then supporting the Sex Pistols was just like, that's yeah. just ridiculous. Well, that was, that was a pretty cool thing to do. And then um, supporting ACDC, we, we did like... Uh, we did about 45 shows with them on the ball breaker yeah. tour. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. That's the dream. That is the dream. That is the dream. That's insane. I mean, it was yeah. just, 
Yeah, I mean, what an experience. I mean, that was kind of like, so we were playing like the NEC, you know, which was my local arena show, you know, yeah. which was just like, oh my God, I'm getting to not only play at the NEC, but it's with ACDC, you know. Wow. So yeah, that, I mean, that was just in, that was just mind-blowingly insane. Still to this day, I think, did we really do that? Really so, sure. so many that. shows as well that's, yeah it's not just like yeah. a couple a couple that's that's incredible well, well i didn't only get to support acdc with the wild hearts i actually got to do it with grand theft audio as well, as well. I, can't <laughs> I can't imagine there's many bands that or many artists that have supported acdc on two separate occasions no with two separate bands we were we were in america at the time we'd signed we'd got a big deal with um sire which was Warner's in America. And um, there was this Warner's convention that we'd been asked to do because we were one of the newest signings. There was a few other bands on and there were rumours that ACDC were going to be doing it. And we're just like, well, where is it? And they're like, well, it's in this in Atlanta in a hotel conference room. And we're like, fucking DC aren't going to be doing that. Well, that big's the room and it's just like, one of those rooms where they have the conferences with the tables and chairs yeah, and, I know. and carpeted, you know. And well, we got there and there was like a stage built at one end and it was a capacity of the room was probably only like 500 or something. And we like, <laughs> they're not going to be doing this, but there was a big black curtain with a load of <coughs> gear behind it. And we were like, there's a little look behind there. And it was like, shit, they're fucking doing this, aren't they? What? <coughs> so we did our gig earlier on in the day and uh later on that night they got up so we were like at the crowd barrier like off our faces we've been at it all day all oh, right and, yeah 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 knowing that we were going to be like seeing acdc and they, they did like five songs and it was as close to getting to see them you know you could hear the band from their back line you know yeah you were that close I, was gonna, to them. I was gonna say <laughs> I, I don't think they probably have played anywhere that small since no. they started and, and there was like probably about 20 of us at the front, you know, it wasn't like the whole room had gone like a bunch of kids, you know, <clears throat> it was all the, you know, the kind of Warner's executives yeah. and stuff. So they're all sitting people. at the tables. And so <laughs> it was just the most the insane moment, I think, rock, rock and roll moment of my life, you know, yeah. just being that close, even though I'd already toured with them. So that was all, you know, like arena shows and then got to do that close-up thing as well. It was just like, oh my God. That's, am uh, did you, that's amazing. Did you, did you, so yeah. when you toured with them. I think did, I might have made that up as well, actually. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when, when you did tour with them, because I've, I've been lucky enough to kind of do one-off big shows and it always seems like, you know, as a support band, you've got to, you know, every, you, know you don't actually get to interact <laughs> with the main band at all. Did you kind of, get to meet the band or did you did you yeah, speak to phil you yeah, friendly with phil at phil, all which you know what with with the uh, i don't i didn't speak to phil much at all okay we only got to speak to angus and malcolm a few times but brian and cliff a few times but brian was being a geordie so he he and he knew about the wild arts and he liked the band anyway oh cool I yeah think, uh, so i think he was like part of getting us on you know helped in getting us on the tour but nice he would he would come into our dressing room and hang out we obviously wouldn't go 
barging into their dressing no. room. It's just not the done thing, is it? No. Well, he he would come into our dressing room and hang out and tell us jokes and stuff. And yeah, he'd have a, he'd have a... so by the end of the tour, we were, you know, friendly, you know, pretty oh, friendly. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was really cool. I mean, like <clears throat> we were playing in Canada and uh, I can't remember the name of the city now, but basically uh, it was it's towards the end of the tour and we didn't have the funds to carry on on the tour. We were meant to be doing all of America. And then something happened with a record company and the tour budget was pulled. So we were going to be finishing a few song, a few shows along the, the line. And um, so we were all pretty pissed off. So our tour manager had been out that day and been and got, um, gone down to this strip club and paid the two worst strippers in there to come back to the venue and uh, do a bit of a, a dance for us. So, oh my God. Well, we basically we were in the dressing room and Boomer, our bass tech, he got the pole, like half of the pole that holds the the backdrop. And he oh. brought that into the dressing room. And he's like, only, only short bloke. And he's standing on top of this table and he's holding this scaffold pole. He's trying to hang on to it. And we've got these two really shit. <laughs> like <laughs> table dancers that couldn't even dance on the pole properly when it was in the club, like let alone one that's been fucking hungry. <laughs> so they're trying to swing off it, and boomers falling all over the fucking place, and they're falling over each other, these strippers. And there's a knock on the door, and, and it's Brian. Oh, and he's right. like, How are you, lads? How's it going? How are you? I've got. And we're, and we're like, Oh, come in, Brian, come in. And he's like, How are you? I've got. And basically, the the <laughs> mayor, the mayor of this town that we were playing, it's like whenever a big band plays there, he gets these cowboy hats as a as a present for the band, and he comes and greets the band, and and you know, and there you go, you know, thanks for coming and playing in the town. And I think Brian had kind of like said, "Oh, have you have you met the support band? They're really good lads, you know. Have you got any more hats we could, you know, give mm-hmm. the lads some." So he's come down with the mayor and he's knocking on the door and we're like, they've got these naked strippers falling over themselves and boomers <laughs> falling off the table. And we're all pissing ourselves laughing. Come on in, Brian, come on in. And he's like, uh, oh, no, oh, actually, uh, no. And then we can see the, the mayor looking over his shoulder. Oh, oh my What's God. going on in there? What's going on in there? Uh, so, yeah, so we didn't actually get the cowboy hats in the end. But, oh, that's a shame, <laughs> that a that's a shame. Yeah, well, yeah, Brian, Brian was uh, brilliant. Yeah, he was rock, great. Rock and roll Getting story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he seems like a talk, he seems like a laugh when you, you see him in interviews and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah he was really down to earth, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. fantastic. Brilliant. Cool. Yeah. We're coming coming towards the end now. I've got a, a okay. Patreon. I got a Patreon page, and one of the perks of it is that they get to ask my guests a question. So I've got a couple of questions from. Gareth Richards, who's a who's a big fan, and if you don't mind answering these, What's cool. So, what are your favourite tracks to play live? And he said, "I really love the power and intensity of Sucker Punch." Right. Um, hi, Gareth. Um, thanks for the question. Um, so, what songs are playing? I mean, I really love loving playing Caprice at the moment. Cool. Probably because I like. Um, I kind of like the I kind of like the big open songs that are a bit more you know a bit slower. I mean, obviously, Sucker Punch is great to play because it's got like you know it's fast and yeah. punk rock and everything. But you know, like Caprice is just a completely different 
vibe and we've been playing since we've been playing it with the in-ears um I mean, we did like a few shows in and me and CJ, we got to the end of the set and we were just like, fuck me. I mean, it just sounded like Metallica or mm. Mastodon or something, you know, when it's big and heavy and big riffs and everything. So at the moment with the in, the in ears, really into, into playing like the kind of the bigger, heavier, riffier stuff. But to be honest, I mean, any of Ginger's songs are a joy to play, you know, any of the, any of the stuff any other stuff. It's just that there's so much energy in all of the Wild Heart stuff that, um, you know, it, it, I've never ever got bored of playing a song. I've never thought like, oh, let's drop this from the set. I mean, we do because obviously there's a choice of so many. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to try and keep it fresh, but I've never ever thought like, oh, I don't want to play that anymore. So yeah, I mean, they're all, they're all great. But at the moment, yeah, yeah big rock metal is where it's at for me. Nice. Yeah, and, and sorry, we talked about this before we hit record about the in ears. It's the first time you've used them for a while, is it? So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you, and the whole band on them, or just just no, you? No, um, me and CJ are using them, but using the gene uh, generics um, yeah. until until the proper molds come. Um, Ginger tried it a few times, but I think until the molds come, until you get the proper isolation, yeah. because when you when you know when you're so, I mean, I gurn a lot when I'm playing, right? You know, I don't do it on purpose. It just happens. But yeah. start like, ah, when, as soon as you start doing that, yeah. your ears open up. And yeah. Suddenly you get loads of cymbal and snare and it's just like, what the fuck? But obviously if you're singing and you're harmonizing and that's happening. So it's, you know, I think you really do need, if you're, if you're you know, doing stuff like that, harmonies and that, you really do need the mold so that you're getting the proper isolation of it. But yeah. I absolutely love them. I love them because for one, your sound is pretty much exactly the same every day, isn't it? Once you've got it right and you've got your mix right, it's yeah. you know, it's absolutely apart from if you're doing places with really low ceilings, then obviously you'll get quite a lot. Yeah, it can change a little bit. Change a bit. But yeah, I mean I'm I'm absolutely loving it. But yeah. Good. I need I need the I was thinking I've never tried actual molds and maybe I need to get some, but like you said, there's a bit of a delay at the moment. I don't know if I'll get them in time for my tour in November. But if I, yeah. I, I, I emailed a company and they said they didn't do them anymore. So I, I need to find out, well, well, you can maybe recommend where you're getting yours from after this interview to me, if you like. No. Yeah, I could do that. I could I, definitely do that because I think we're using the company that most people, there are, other companies that do it but apparently there's uh, there's a lot of them that can break quite easy they want to mm. be you know i think it's worth paying a little bit extra for touring yeah. gear isn't it because they need to, they need to be robust and you can't be having them yeah. snapping halfway through a show can you oh right okay i can't hear anything yeah definitely what not should we do now? no um yeah so yeah i'll definitely send you that info yeah. oh cool thank you but, so we go well, before before we use those i always used like mold molded attenuators you know okay filters um just because i mean i i, I wouldn't be able to sit behind your kit and play a, a proper gig without any hearing protection anymore no. i used to like up till about 20 years ago but then my ears just started getting a bit like itchy after the show and just a bit like well, that feels a bit weird i think it's about time to you know start protecting absolutely I don't, think, I don't think anybody does these days do they you know like I think younger kids start playing without ear protection. Nah, they're a bit more educated, aren't they? I think everyone knows yeah. the dangers of it. And and like yeah. a message to any anyone who goes to shows, if you like, please wear ear protection whenever you can, because 
you just you're just doing damage every every gig you go to and um you you know you'll pay for it later in life but uh, it's just my message i can't i can't go to a show i can't sit in a practice room without something in my ears no and without it just someone strums a guitar and i'm like ah <laughs> yeah. so it's pretty bad but um no it's yeah. impo- it is important and i think you know people need to not ignore the 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 the, the issues that, of that really absolutely but, um, 100% good yeah. advice yeah yeah and um, i got two more questions from gareth Wh- which is preferable festivals or headline tours Ooh, ah um a headline tour is, I guess, because it's your own crowd and they know all the words and yeah. the volume of the sound coming back from the crowd is always bigger. And there's festivals are always, I mean, unless you're headlining the festival, which is amazing because then it's kind of your crowd again, but festivals in the daytime, oh, just a little bit nervy you get a little bit anxious about them just because you can see everybody's faces and it's like jesus it's quite if it's a big festival it's like fucking there's a lot of people there that's me that's could be fucking right here right now you know so i always get a bit anxious with the the daytime big festival shows yeah but i always end up having a great show like but just i think there's a different vibe when it's daylight and you haven't got the the vibe you know the sweaty vibe of the of the lights and everything yeah, I feel I feel you there t- totally. And um, the other benefit of a headline tour is sound checks. <laughs> oh yeah, there is that. Well, yeah, I mean, we just we we did the download pilot show. Oh yeah, recently, yeah. and it it was fucking horrific for us. I mean, it was the first thing, apart from a couple of um, a couple of warm ups that we'd done, which were uh, COVID kind of restricted. So everyone it was everyone was sitting down at tables and chairs that mm. was a, a weird experience in itself so yeah but then yeah went on to the the download show and just the monitors was just it, something had gone horribly wrong that everything was cross-patched with the monitor guy had used the wrong file for the monitor desk so no one would get was getting the mixes they were used to and then when it was started to be put right the wrong thing was being turned up oh, and um, it was just like you know what was should have been like a oh we haven't played for you know 18 months and we're back kind of thing turned into a like oh god this is horrible uh, yeah so sorry, sorry to hear that That's... <laughs> yeah so you do i mean you do still still have you know it's but i think with the in-ears that's another good thing about the in-ears because you take your own desk don't you so everything's wheeled in plugged in and you're all kind of like your own unit so there's it takes away all of the chance of that happening. So that's another great reason, as well as oh, it yeah. sounding great, it being good for your being good for your hearing, better for your hearing. And uh, yeah, there's less cool. chance of festivals being <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, man. And um, you kind of, you briefly mentioned this earlier, but do you have any fond memories of the Wild Hearts touring on the same bill as the Almighty and Curb Dog? Don't have any memories of those days, Jesus. I mean, no. you can imagine what what it was like. Yeah. God. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no. Um, God, I mean, yeah. I mean, they'll still see Ricky from time to time. Absolutely lovely guy, and you know, couldn't have asked for a better band to, to tour with back then. I mean, uh, it was great tour to do. That was really good fun. Curb Dog. Uh, I mean. 
I just very vaguely remember those guys being okay. really nice. It's very, do you know what? It's very rare that you meet arseholes, is it, in rock yeah. music, I think. I don't really remember ever coming across, you know, any band or people that were just like, oh, a bunch of cunts, not going to play with them again. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's a nice club to be part of, isn't it? Yeah, no, I agree. The, the arseholes are very few. So uh, that's fortunate. Cool. So now I got a quick ten question, quick fire round for you, okay. if you don't, if you don't mind. So I just, I just ask you a couple of questions. You answer as quick as you can. Um, do you prefer hot or cold weather? Hot. Daytime or nighttime? Daytime. Sweet or savory? Savory. Guitar or bass? Base. Nylon or wood tip sticks? Wood. What drumsticks do you use, by the way? I'm currently using um, London drumstick ah, company yeah. sticks. Uh, I've been using, not for long, um, a friend basically put me in touch with them and showed me the stick that he was using. A little bit longer than sticks I've ever used before, but right. a little bit thinner. And I was just like, Oh, I really like the way that feels. I've always, I've always held the stick right, right the. There's one here. I stick right the fucking end like that, so it's kind of here. I see what you mean. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I see drummers play. I see drummers who who are like really good technical drummers. Like, um, here's the guy from Blink One Eight Two. Travis you know, Parker. Travis Parker. That's him. And you know when they've got that style, but yeah, exactly. they're, they're holding the stick like that, and there's like about yeah. that much of the stick yeah. sticking out there. Yeah. I think. They make it look really easy when they're playing like that with a stick like that, and and especially him. Sticks. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I thought, right, if I start using those sticks, I'm going to be able to play like Travis Barker. <laughs> yeah, shit, it didn't work, did it? No. But um, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> no <Not> fire. <laughs> no, I think with with my whole kind of like, I've got to get my technique a little bit less caveman and just look after my wrists a bit more and. You know, just start hitting everything just a little bit, not quite as full on. Yeah. The, the sticks just, they, they just felt right for it. You know, they're a little bit longer. So there's a little bit poking out the end and they're a little bit, they're not any lighter, but they're a little bit thinner. So, yeah. Okay. yeah so, but no, really nice guys there, really helpful and uh, yeah, great sticks. Cool. Cool. Sorry, yeah. I, we kind of went on a tangent there, but I, I should have asked you that earlier on. Um, yeah. right back does to anybody, the, can I just ask, does anybody say nylon tip? No one has said nylon. No. Someone do, they has said, make, do they even make them anymore? They do, yeah, but I, I don't think many professionals use them. I Actually, think, I remember. I think jazz, jazzers like them, I think, for the right symbol sound, you know? I had a Lars Ulrich stick from back in the day that was a nylon Really? Tip. Yeah. Oh. Was it one yeah. of those uh, a head metal carbon fiber sticks? Was it before, wood? Before, before that, those, right? Do, okay. Yeah, before those days. Yeah, yeah. It was a mm. wood. Yeah. No. Weird. I just remember when I was a kid, I used to kind of buy all different sticks to try them out, and they always used to yeah. fall off. Yeah. The, the nylon tips used to fall off, and then you just have a yeah. weird, oh, pointless quick, stick. Quickly tell you a quick stick story. Yeah, please this, do. This is a this is a good one from when we were supporting ACDC. Yeah, yeah. And. I was running out of sticks, like had three pairs left or something. Oh, and shit. I wasn't going to be able to get any to me. And it was the weekend, so the music shop was shut. So uh, my drum tech had been 
chatting as was friends with Phil's drum tech, who was called Taff, I think. Um, it was okay. from Welsh, yeah, Welsh guy, yeah, yeah. and um, lovely guy. And he said, "Oh, it's all right. I'll let you use a, a pair of Phil's. That'll be fine." He's been using, in, and there were the carbon ones. Oh, was know, it those? All right. With the fucking titanium in the middle, or whatever it is, unbreakable, and fucking anything, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was like Phil's been using these this pair for like the whole of this tour, and probably a few shows from the and and Martin, my drum tech, was just like fucking hell, brilliant. All right, yeah, we'll try. But for starters, they're black, and I hate black sticks because you can't. It takes that away, you know. Yeah, the visual. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really hated it when Lars started using the black sticks because, you know, I always thought he was a brilliant looking drummer because his kit's so wide and it's, you know, all yeah. that business. And, but anyway, I, I was stuck for sticks and I had to use the black sticks. But, but anyway, it, the, the, the thing was that, oh, don't worry, it, it, they'll last you the rest of the tour. That, you know, like Phil's never, ever broken one of those or anything. Anyway, halfway through the set that was only 25 minutes long, anyway. And I was using, at the time, I was using the Premier Signia snare with just a die-cast hoop on it. Yeah. And I'm, like, fucking playing away, and I'm thinking, this is fucking feeling a little bit weird. And uh, luckily, I've still got a couple of sticks left. So I fucking, I just, I don't know, it must be these, throw the stick to me drum tech and just pick up another one and carry on with one of my wooden ones. Get to the end of the show, and he shows me the stick, and it's like a fucking banana. So my drum tech was like, they had so much pride to go and take the stick back to, uh, <laughs> to Taff and say, this is what my drummer did to one of your drummer sticks. <laughs> and it was like, yes, get in. Wow, wow, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've never tried those myself, but I, I I, have heard people say they're not as indestructible as they're meant to be, and obviously Mate, that, that proved it. Yeah, maybe they're fine yeah, if you yeah. don't rim shot the snare, maybe you can get away... Without, I think it without... might have been the. I think it was probably the diecast. Diecast, yeah. That did it, yeah, because they're quite sharp on the edge, aren't they? You know, they, they are. Roll, they don't roll off, do they? Like the. They don't yeah, kind of so... give as much. I, I've no. noticed. Um, no. Yeah. Interesting. No. Yeah. Well, but, oh well. Yeah. You're harder than Phil Rudd. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's official. Yeah, it's official. <laughs> now Phil, Phil is one of my idols, to be fair. So um. You know, oh, absolutely! I, I can't have no bad words about him. And no, I mean absolutely incredible. I mean yeah. that was, again was. I mean even though it was ACDC, and I would watch the stage show and the rest of the band by the time we got to kind of like about ten shows in, yeah. but it was still nearly all. You know, oh, he's just so precise. And, yeah. You know, just fucking never misses a beat and no. never misses a never hits a symbol weird or never. You know, and it's just that kind of amount of precision is just oh, it's just unbelievable yeah absolutely unbelievable and yeah. timing obviously timing is just and those bits in the songs where angus goes out you know to do his solo and it's just for about 20 minutes yeah, yeah. That would, i wouldn't you couldn't do that could you because you'd start it would start going backwards in your head and start like this is starting to feel weird now all oh, my foot's gone numb and you know yeah. what i mean it would just be like to play the exact same thing relentlessly I know um, it's, it's harder than people think. And I think that annoyingly he gets a lot of flack and ACDC do for kind of having repetitive uh, songs and similar sounding songs. And, yeah. and, and that this partly what this whole podcast is about really is to kind of, to kind of champion the drummers that are not the show off drummers and, and, and like it's called drum for the song. So, and, and yeah. you know, Phil Red is kind of like, 
the perfect drummer for rock rock and roll and rock bands is in yeah yeah he is just laying down that groove that beat it's which suit even though it's simple it, it gets you your head banging your foot tapping with with the guitar part it's just it's just perfect it's it is simple but it's not easy to do and it works and you know he's just yeah i've got a, i don't know if you i've got a drum head there that's signed right. by him I've never met him, but someone got me a head signed by him, and so I put it there as a bit of a inspiration. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's you know he's he's a legend, no matter what you think about his yeah. questionable I mean, think, acts of late. But <laughs> think of those think of those albums that they made, and none of those were done to a click, and they're all perfect. Hmm. The feel of those, you know, I mean that would just be sacrilege, wouldn't it, for those to have been recorded to a click imagine if a producer had said right okay phil this is what we're gonna do yeah. you know i mean it would have been insanity but yeah i mean yeah like you say it's just like that is the that is the feel of that man and it is perfect for yeah. that music yeah yeah and um yeah fair play and um hopefully they will continue and uh and we'll get to see him again yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Maybe I'll get to support them the third time. Yeah, with some other band that you some start. Some other band. Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's go. Let's go back to the quick fire then. Um, sorry, we went off a massive sorry. tangent. Yeah, sorry about. No, that. I like I like tangents. That's great. That's what oh, pod, okay. podcasts are good for. So, yeah. John Bonham or Neil Peart? Uh, okay, I've got to say Peart. I've got okay. to say Neil Peart. Yeah. I've okay. To, I know. I know. Uh, is this uh, sorry? It's one word answers, isn't it? I'm not. No, it's elaborate. fine. Whatever. I don't mind you elaborating. It's always in, that's uh, quite an interesting one. Well, I know John Bonham is the sound of drums, isn't he? He is the sound of the drum kit. I mean that it doesn't get any better. It doesn't matter what new drums they invent or what new cymbals <laughs> they invent or anything. That sound that he made was the sound of rock drums, you know. But. I fucking never liked Led Zeppelin, so I couldn't uh. really listen to it enough to get into it. So, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, but I loved Rush. Absolutely love Rush. So, um, and I just know more stuff, more Rush stuff, and listen to Neil Peart more. So, I just have to say Neil Peart. I see. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. What? Yeah. Any? Any? Is there anything in particular that you didn't like about Led Zeppelin that made about, you dislike them? Um, then? It was just, I think, because at the time, I suppose when. I was becoming aware of them. I was getting into punk stuff. And for starters, they were like, it was rock music. And it's like, I'm a punk. I'm not, I mean, I would have been about 11 or 12. So it's like, you right. know what I mean? I'm not allowed to listen to that shit, you know, that fucking mom and dad's music or, you know. Fair it enough. always just seemed a bit old, older people's music. So, but then obviously when I matured a little bit and realized that it was okay to listen to other genres of music. Yeah. Uh, Checked it out and do you know what? I don't like it anyway. Fair shit. enough. I know controversial, but yeah, okay. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just not for me. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, uh, another one that uh, is divisive: um, Beatles or Rolling Stones, if any. Uh, Beatles, really. Mm -hmm. That's only because I know more Beatles stuff, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, clear, <laughs> clear or coated drum heads. Clear, clear on the toms, coated on the snare. Okay, I don't yeah. know why. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> it's just how it is. All right, no worries. Uh, big or small venue? Ah, uh, well, do you know what? I'm gonna say small. Yeah. Okay. For the vibe. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We played a show not long before COVID in, oh, fuck, where were we? Denmark, was it? It's a Chinese restaurant in the daytime <laughs> and it's it's a gig in the evening. <laughs> I want to do that one, but the yeah, catering oh was God. good. Yeah, yeah, it was actually <laughs> spot on. Gorgeous chicken curry. And yeah, it was just like use somebody else's kit and the stage is that small that your elbows are hitting the wall behind oh, yeah. you. And like, like <laughs> Danny was literally over the kit, you know, and you know, you can hear what everybody else is doing from their monitors because they're so, oh, it was ridiculous, but absolutely. So the crowd are closer to you than what, you know, Ginger would usually be, you know. Wow, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and so it was just, uh, I just, and then it was packed full on everyone screaming at you, ah, you know, and uh, just hot and sweaty and, you know, just sometimes those vibes. And it, that, I, I get, that's the kind of like, it's the physical, the primal kind of feeling that you get from playing. As the shows get bigger, you kind of lose that because you're relying on the technology more. And I think with that, it's because it's as close to being in a rehearsal room as possible because you're able to hear the back line and you're feeding off what they're actually playing rather than what's coming through your monitors or through your ears now and that kind of real just back to basics thing it's kind of like that's how it all starts isn't it and that that's what it's about really it's like yeah so yeah i'd, I'd choose chinese restaurant over okay. <laughs> wembley any day nice <laughs> that actually reminds me of one thing that ginger said at the Cardiff show, he was he was obviously using in ears for the first song. Right. And I don't know if you remember, he kind of like pulled them out of his ears and threw them to the, his guitar tech or whatever. And I, at the time, I was like, "Oh, what's going on here? This is bad." And, <laughs> but then he explained to the crowd. He said, "Oh, you know, even though I might sound better with these in, it feels much better with them out." Yeah, because you you could obviously feel the crowd and, and the actual yeah. amps and stuff. So that you yeah. know that rem reminds me of what he said, and I was like, fair play. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and then and that's I guess yeah that's I guess that's the one one drawback. From... It takes a lot of getting used to because yeah. you do spend you know you've spent your whole career playing in a certain way with having your you know your backline yeah. set up in a certain way that. You know, especially if you're a singer and you're harmonising. Exactly. You know, it's a bit yeah. different if it's just head down and playing. But when you've got a fucking you know singing tune and it's not just you singing, if you're harmonising someone else, it sounds terrible when they're out yeah. tuned, doesn't it? So. And, and with your obviously with the Wild Hearts, there are lots of kind of especially choruses where there's a lot of backing vocals and harmonies going on. So and mm -hmm. it did sound brilliant. So, but yeah. I know if one person is slightly flat, it just makes the whole thing. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Not work very well. Anyway. Yeah. Last, last quick fire. Favorite time signature to play. Oh, oh. Yeah. See, everyone says that. So everybody says that. Right? Maybe I need to change it to favorite time signature to play other than four, four. Maybe I'll change that <laughs> for the next, next guest. Maybe I'll ask him yeah. that instead because yeah. it's no one. I think someone said, someone said six, eight or something like that, but right. normally four, four. Oh. But um, no, yeah. cool, cool. And um, just to end now, I ask everyone this. So it's quite difficult. If you could create your own dream band with yourself on drums, you can use any member of any band that's ever lived, dead or alive, but not any members of the Wild Heart, sorry. Who would you <laughs> have in the band with you? 
Um, okay, Lemmy on bass. <laughs> cool. Nice. Prince on guitar. Very nice. Probably have to have Eddie Van Halen on guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I need some other drummers as well. I'm going to have Cozy Powell playing next to me. You could do. Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. Oh, Cozy Powell and Elvis singing. <laughs> Brilliant. So actually, that's all dead. Yeah, all no, dead. Yeah, no yeah. one alive. No one alive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a, good, that's a good one. And you came up with those yeah. really quickly. Sometimes that answer yeah. takes about 20 minutes for people. To oh, answer. right. Okay. Yeah. So, no, thanks. Yeah. No, great. Um, I've really enjoyed this. I hope you have as well. Um, yeah, just th thanks again for coming on. Congratulations on the new album, uh, 21st Century Love Songs. Any listeners really need to check that out. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with The Wild Arts, where have you been? Go check them out if you haven't. Uh, go check them out on tour. Uh, one of the best live bands you'll ever see, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I know, no, not trying to lick your ass, <laughs> but you know, you, you know, you, you've 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 done a few gigs over the years, and you've you've kind of you've crafted it quite well, you know. <laughs> well, we're all very passionate about music, you know. So yeah, we, you know, I suppose all musicians are, but it's really, I mean, when music's high energy music and passion, you know, yeah. it's kind of it's always going to be good, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, it, it comes across, yeah. and, and I think the fan base helps as well. You can tell the fan base. Are so passionate with it and um yeah so check out the tour dates just in case you're playing near listeners or whatever um yeah i got that the wrong way around yeah and um yeah and and basically thanks to rich uh is it do you do you do, you, do you, i think you're on twitter do you use that i had to know what i haven't used it for a while but i probably will start using it again now we're back onto a bit okay more, yeah yeah so yeah. you, if anyone wants yeah. to follow you, you're on there somewhere. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, yeah, message me if you want to call me a cunt for not liking Liz Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't do that. But um, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thanks to Rich. Uh, thanks to the Wild Hearts for um, being awesome. And thanks to you for listening. Oh. Cheers. Run for the show. Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too, as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at Dane underscore drums or at Drum for the Song or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes video calls with myself, competitions, discounts, and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top-tier Groove Master patrons, whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell, and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song! <laughs>